Happy Halloween, everybody, from Patrick and Andy, Themed Experience Television and the Untitled Theme Entertainment Design Show podcast. How you doing? Yeah, that's right, Andy. We're This is actually Halloween, Sunday, October 31st, 2021. We're going into the way back machine. Not that way back. October 26th of 2020. We actually had uh, the, the people behind the Queen Mary's Dark Harbor from Long Beach, California on the on the show. It's very exciting. It's a very exciting show. Uh, yeah. It is. It's yeah, actually one of my favorite shows. That that's that in which I learned that there were secret bars in the attractions, uh, yes. which was really cool. Yeah. So very, very huge shout out to uh, Bonnie and Hallman and David Wally from Myco Two and Stephen Sheldon and Charity Hill from Epic Entertainment Group for joining us all the way back a year ago, almost to the day. But we're going to bring it to you on this show, show number six of the Untitled Themed Entertainment Design Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Andy. How are you doing today? We got a huge show today. Huge show. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this all month. I have too. Uh, we are here to uh, talk all about uh, Dark Harbor. We're going to be getting to that in just a moment. But we have uh, uh, several guests in the in the the green room. This might be breaking a record for us. Um, how are things done in LA? I know I know that um, LA and Orange County is having some issues. Yeah, we're having a huge windstorm today. Um, uh just trees down everywhere power out everywhere fires everywhere my i just got my mom called me right before the show to say she was evacuating in your melinda uh so it's crazy you know you know but you know global warming is just a big hoax so. <laughs> right well nothing to worry uh, about nothing to see here speaking but, of global uh, warming, oh sorry go ahead no let's go ahead uh, I was going to say, speaking of global warming, uh, make sure you're voting, folks. No matter who you're going to vote for, make sure you're you registered your vote counts. Andy, I know you had to re-register because um, you were purged from the voter rolls. Uh, I guess you fit the demographic for that. Um, my my, my uh, white cis male vote has been suppressed, but I I've, I have overcome. <laughs> well, we're happy to hear that. We're happy to hear that. Uh, so, what's in the news today? Before we we know we're bringing our guests on in just a moment, what do we have in the news? I, mean, I don't want to take up too much time because you know. Uh, you know, we, we're going to have a, a long show with a lot of guests, but I think the biggest news last week was uh, uh, the announcement of the guidelines to reopen theme parks in Southern California, which are nearly impossible. Uh, you know, uh, the state of California uh, went down to Disney World and Universal down in Florida, probably on the most crowded days. And we're like, yeah, no, no, this isn't for us. Came back and we're like, yeah, no, you can't open until we get to the yellow tier. Which is like, it's something like three weeks of less than 30 cases per 100,000 people in Orange County uh, and Los Angeles County. So it's just like, like basically it's just a death sentence for the parks for like the next six months. 
Like they're they're not they're saying that uh, they're not gonna it's not even gonna be practical until maybe next spring or summer to reopen uh, even at twenty five percent capacity like the mandated. But then two days later after that announcement, uh, Disney announced that they were gonna open up uh, Buena Vista Street and probably Hollywood Boulevard uh, to guests of downtown Disney. Um, uh, now DCA the gates are just gonna be open, kind of like how they intended it to be from the very beginning. Uh, when they were first developing California Venture, they were just considering the idea, uh, at least Tony Baxter was, of just like let it be an open air mall and charge per attraction. They were considering that for a long time. So, and that's hmm. what it's going to be. And, it's, and they're just going to be, you can just walk right into California Adventure from downtown Disney uh, starting, I think, in two weeks, three weeks. I don't know. I should probably yeah. know better. Yeah or something or other well that's the interesting part is is that uh and i know we don't want to keep rambling on about this kind of stuff but just the that that whole notion that knott's berry farm has had their you know their their ghost town open so i i felt like disney was waiting until the last possible moment to have to do that but i did hear that one of my um my cousin has been called back to work at disney so that's that's good news for them so they're calling yeah. people back. One, one other piece of news is that the um the cinematic spectacular at uh, Universal also played for one night on, I think Saturday night they, they played. So our first nighttime spectacular has come back. Uh, stay. Of course, you know, theme parks are open in Florida, but they're shut down in California. So yeah, we're in yeah, a weird I, 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 could think, I could think of a certain uh, Halloween themed show that they uh, also could have played, but oh well. Yeah, and I, <laughs> yeah I, was, I was actually hoping to hear something like that. Um, but enough about that. We have uh, we have a lot of people in the in the lobby. Even it looks like we even have some surprise people that were that popped in a second ago. Um, oh, let's go ahead and, and bring out the, uh, the 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 huge team behind uh, Dark Harbor uh, right now. So Dark Harbor, I, I'm, I think they should we should hear it from them. Um, hey everybody, welcome to the show. Um, let's go around the around the the table a little bit and have everyone introduce themselves. Uh, Bonnie, over to you. Hi, uh, I'm Bonnie Hallman. I'm the director of creative at MyCo2 and have worked with uh, David on Dark Harbor for the past 10 seasons. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Great to have you. And then as you mentioned, uh, David, hello, hello. Welcome. The sun, my God. Oh, the only thing we can do at this point is turn off the camera. Okay, so hi, I'm David Wally. No, I'm kidding. Hi, I'm David <laughs> Wally and the secret of life <laughs> it's a Zoom call, folks. <laughs> we, we, you, you cut out there. Can you just go back? What for happened? Oh. Yeah, the internet cut out. <laughs> I might have been doing that myself. I'm David Wall. I'm the chief creative officer of MyCo2, and uh, we're an entertainment development company in Southern California. And amongst other things that we love doing, we've been working with uh, the Queen Mary and Dark Harbor for the last 10 years. And uh, that's what's got us in this conversation today with our friends from Epic Entertainment. Yep. And speaking of Epic Entertainment, with the best background I've ever seen in my entire life on a Zoom live stream <laughs> or any sort of call, uh, Charity Hill, hello from Epic. Hi, how's everybody doing? Um, my name is Charity Hill. I'm a managing partner and co-founder of Epic Entertainment Group, which specializes mm. in um, the creation, um, operation, production of live events, entertainment, and... Uh, uh, attractions across the nation and the world. So and all things badassery. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on Dark Harbor for a decade, 
and um, and Dark Horizon uh, we launched last year. So those are our two darks under my belt. And um, it's been a blast working with these fine people. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you here. Uh, how about this, Steve? Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, Steve Sheldon. I'm also a managing partner and co-founder of Epic Entertainment Group. And I have also been on Dark Harbor as one of the executive producers for 10 years. Well, welcome, everybody. So uh, to get things started, um, you know, we have an international audience. We have people watching around the globe in, in live and um, on repeat. Uh, what better way to show what Dark Harbor is than just throwing to a video? So why don't we watch a fun, exciting video now? I'm pumped. Wow. <laughs> if, if I had any if I had any hair, it would be blown back more than it already is. Well, I'll tell you, 10 years of Dark Harbor, I started working on it when I was 12. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's aged like, yeah, like a president. Exactly. It's, it's taken its toll, huh? It's taken its toll. <laughs> so, so, Security, why don't you tell us a little about it? From the, uh, you know, where the, you know, how you've been involved with Queen Mary, Dark Harbor, all that. Why don't we throw it to you? Oh, well, you know, Dark Harbor has had many iterations at, at the Queen Mary in different forms, which I can let Stephen get into later. But um, I came to Dark Harbor actually in 2012. And I remember it was the first time I saw it. And I was like, what have I gotten myself into? Um, but it's to me, it's like a haunted attraction like no other. You know, it's it's a live, immersive, interactive party that is also, you know, kind of immersive theater. So there's something behind every corner. There's six mazes, there's 13 different bars, there's often two to three stages happening at a time. Um, there's secret bars, there's secret passageways, and there's street performers, there's um, 
you know, impromptu shows that happen in the middle of the event and on the streets. And there's just so much going on that I think there's really nothing like it um, when it comes to a haunted attraction. So um, I've been working on it now since 2012 and I couldn't be prouder of the team that I get to work with. And um, I definitely miss them this season, sitting here by myself in my living room. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Dark Harbor is a really special, um, unique experience and event. And hopefully everybody gets to experience it. And so then uh, we also have bars. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know there were secret bars. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So many bars. How have I missed so all the bars. secret bars? <laughs> My favorite part of, of our panel every single year is when we talk about nothing but the right. of bar. <laughs> <laughs> or my favorite is when Charity comes and she's like, guys, we have this great idea this year. It's another secret bar. <laughs> and well, we're like, this one's different. Charity, a secret bar? <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to consult with you guys when I go next time. So I can the find truth, out. The truth of the matter is that the fans, the guests love that. They love okay. the notion of finding out where they are, having a little bit of like extra agency uh, that some of the guests don't have inside the event. Um, as Charity said, it, it's, it's a fantastic piece of immersive theater, but it's also a big gigantic party, you know, that runs for a month long down in, in, in the port of Long Beach. It's, it's sort of like an Oktoberfest, you know, mm -hmm. uh, event uh, where people can come and be entertained, be mm -hmm. scared, have great food, have great drink, and just have a great time. I and think if you can find one of those secret bars, um, they are one of the most beautifully designed things that you'll see. They're quite stunning. I mean, the whole event is stunning, but it, it they're they're really jewels in the middle of in the middle of uh, a very beautiful crown. It's part of you know, as we have evolved over the years. One thing that we learned. Um, was that if you come and all you experience, all, all you come to experience are the mazes, you're going to spend an awful lot of your, your time in queues. Um, and we decided years ago that we wanted to create a, a, an opportunity for people to be entertained and engaged in, both in and out of the mazes. Um, so that's when we started adding things like entertainment in the queues, um, immersive experiences, interactive experiences. And the, the secret bars has been kind of an evolution of that. Um, but going back, you know, for, for anyone who wasn't familiar, isn't familiar with Dark Harbor and how it started, uh, Dark Harbor, actually, the, the origins of a haunt at the Queen Mary were back in 1995. The Queen Mary started doing a haunt and it was called Shipwreck. And they, they hosted Shipwreck for, uh, I believe it was 15 years. Mm -hmm. And in 2010, they decided we're going to switch it up. We're going to rebrand, change the name, bring in new management, new entertainment, uh, a new man, new producer. And I think David came on board that year and I came on board the following year. We all kind of have layered in and Dark Harbor has has really become um, a, a different animal and, and something that rather than just being a, um, a haunt for the sake of haunting, we've really turned the focus to the historic asset itself and the Queen Mary herself. You know, she is, has been named by Time Magazine as one of the top 10 most haunted destinations in the world. So we really lean into that and um, create a lot of our story and a lot of our, our entertainment based around the ship herself. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, go ahead, sorry, David, sorry. I, I don't know of any other haunt that has as holistic and integrated storyline and plot and characters that 
Dark Har Harbor has. You know, most of the haunts, and they're all fantastic, but they tend to be, you know, Frankenstein monsters of different IPs and different concepts. And and um, Dark Harbor, everything is is uh, 360 degrees revolves around that ship and everything that has come from it and emanated from it. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason that we create these micro experiences within the event is we want to be able, as it grows exponentially, we want to be able to keep it really intimate. And there is a lot of story that drives our characters. So these secret bars and these little secret passageways, any any way that we can have an excuse to have a really close touch point with a character to drive story is really important to us. So I, you know, it's like we joke about the bars and there are some great cocktails in there, but often you'll find great characters in there that can drive the story of, of what we're doing in each maze or the overall arching storyline of the ship herself. So I think that's another thing that makes it stand out. Um, and, and from those stories and the characters that Charity talks about, you know, the underneath of that, the, 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 the operations of it is that you, you hire actors and performers to bring those things to life. And these characters and the people who portray them have become iconic figures um, in Southern California and on the internet, you know, um, from the captain and the ringmaster to, to some of the characters like uh, uh, Scary Mary and, and uh, Graceful Gale, but, but also our sliders and our aerialists and our fire performers. It's like, it's really, um, we like to think of our event as a family and that extends all the way through all of our characters as well. Mm -hmm. So David, um, bringing it back to, you know, your involvement and my code 2's involvement, how did you get involved and what, what's, what is your general role, you and Bonnie and the entire Myco2 team? Well, going way, way back, I, I was a, a theater person and then I began my career in the film business. And then in the, you know, around 2005 or so, I, I got somehow railroaded into um, location-based entertainment, which I, I, I had no clue even existed. And I, I was working for several years with the company um, and working on a theme park in Abu Dhabi and then when the uh, when the economy collapsed in in late 2008 that project went on hold um and a couple of the guys who i knew from that project were behind um the first year of dark harbor that that steve referenced and they called me up and they said we want you to be the talent director and i said great for what and they explained to me what it was i had no idea what haunts were i had no idea how they worked or what the expectations were what anybody wanted out of it but they said, trust me, you, you'll have a good time and you'll be good at this. And so Bonnie and I were, were doing a play together up in, in North Hollywood. And I asked her to come on and, and work on it with me. Um, and we sort of figured out our own way of divining what being talent directors were and what, what we wanted our march to be doing from, from our background in theater. And, you know, my initial questions were like, well, what do we do? Do we teach them to say boo or what is it? And I, I quickly realized that wasn't it at all. What I realized it was intuitively, even if I didn't know the right vocabulary for it, was what Charity referenced, which was that we were creating one gigantic, wonderful piece of immersive theater. And we were taking the audience and we were taking the performers and we were having them interact with each other in the same physical space. And once we realized, oh, that's what we're doing, it became an incredibly... Um, uh, wonderful opportunity and big playground to create these fantastic moments and these fantastic um, situations all throughout the event. And by the time we finished that first year, you, you know, it was 
it, it was at the same time the most fun I'd ever had and also one of the most challenging. Bunny and I have a thing with each other now that we, we, you know, we would look at each other at the end of the night when the last of the people were off the clock and just look at each other and say, what the fuck just happened? You know, because every <laughs> night is completely and utterly unpredictable beyond what our preparation is. It's like, it's like playing a football game. You know, you call up the game plan and then the game happens and you just have to roll with it and see where the problems crop up and where you know our energies are needed um and so uh, over the 10 years we've we've grown the people that we've worked with we've grown the size of our team we've um grown the number of people who work on the event um and really have developed it into a really really great family-like atmosphere um that sort of runs as as close to clockwork as it can no, that's fantastic. And we have some, I'm sorry, um, Charity, you're kind of covered. There we go. We got the scrolls out. You're covered by all the banners. Um, well, yeah, we're just having the images come up, which is, is absolutely stunning and, and, and beautiful and, and fantastic. Just bef um, before we get into maybe um, breaking down the mazes, um, and just for people on the East Coast, um, in the West Coast, they call mazes houses. So it's the same thing. They're not actually going through like a hedge maze where you can get lost. It's just a, a walkthrough attraction. But I noticed that when I moved to Orlando that, they call them haunted houses in, in LA. It's a, it's a maze. If um, I can just say one more thing, as long as we're looking at the pictures before oh, I, yeah. I'll stop talking, let somebody else talk. I, I have this phrase, one team, one dream, which means everybody's on the same page working to accomplish the same goals. And as you're scrolling through these pictures, a lot of people who aren't on the call today, you can see their incredible work. Our, our designers, our build team, our makeup department, our costume department, again, the aforementioned performers and um, <clears throat> and actors um, and all of the supervisors and beverage managers and everything that takes to, to go onto this event. It, it takes a lot of people uh, working very, very hard for a long time to pull this thing off. I think that's what makes Dark Harbor, that, that is the, the magic sauce for Dark Harbor really truly is the, the people who come together to uh, pull it off every year. It feels like we pull off minor and major miracles every year to make it happen. Um, and there our, our teams are all just incredibly dedicated, um, great attitudes, ready to, to jump through all the hoops and uh, to help help us win as a team. And it's, um, it is that team that helps us to be so successful. And I think we, we all care so much about the end experience, about the guest experience, um, that we we go that extra mile and we're willing to to do whatever it takes to create a good experience that and i think it definitely helps that and and says a lot also for the production that we have people who have been working on this show since the very beginning you know, a lot. We, a lot of people are very dedicated to this show and whether they go to the far corners of the earth in winter and spring and fall, they all matriculate back to us, back to the queen, just for this magical, you know, four to six week moment in time. And I think it's really special. It's almost like um, every year it's just a big reunion. And it's really cool that people want to come back and continue to come back in order to give, to create this thing um, called Dark Harbor. And they're missing it this year, you know, and there have been all sorts of like different things that we've been trying to do to stay in touch with people and keep things going. The the actor who who plays our captain has got this wonderful little animoji uh, series that he does every week where the captain like roasts one of us. I, I got the treatment this weekend um, to just uh, make it feel alive and have people have something to check back into and remember that, you know, we know where home base is and, you know, 
we can talk more about what the future holds and everything, you know, as we all try to define what the future holds. Um, but it's it's nice to uh, to be able to still be able to reach out and touch everybody in the off time. No, absolutely. Well, maybe we could we could talk. Um, we talked about all the talent and the people that are involved to put this production together. Um, would we, would we? How 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 about we talk about just like the the recruitment and the talent development for um, getting these people? I mean, maybe Mike to uh, either Bonnie or David, you could cover just that immense process. You know, you can build a family. How do you build a family every year and keep that family together? Go ahead, Bon. Uh, I mean, it's, we start auditioning people um, around August, sometimes end of July, early August. And it's uh, like Charity mentioned, we're very, very fortunate that so many of our actors and I mean, crew designers as well. But it's really hard to get actors to come back again and again and again because they find different work and they, you know, try and do different things in their career. And we, we manage to keep a lot of them. We have some actors that have been working with us for 10 years, which is kind of incredible. And especially in this, this field. Um, and uh, so, you know, we, we've got our main core characters that, um, that David can probably talk about a little bit more in a bit. We have our main core characters, and then it's filling out the rest of the mazes. And the numbers of characters change. What was where did we lend last year, David? With how many uh, characters on site at one time? We're about two hundred and fifty per night. Mm -hmm. And then that means we cast around four hundred. Four hundred. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So not everyone works every night. And then, um, you know, it, we have our home base and then we have, um, you know, the way that we kind of manage things. We have the all-star team, which are a group of people that we know we can put in any position who would be able to work any position. We have backups, which in theory sounds like that, you know, they're, they're never used, but our backups are always used. And the backups are to fill in spots as we move. And it really is a, a crazy well-oiled machine. Um, it's funny when we have talent, team members come join us so often they'll be fresh out of college from uh you know a stage management program and i love to say okay i love that you know everything take everything you know about traditional stage management and just toss it out the window because this, <laughs> this is its own beast yeah we we when we started 10 years ago it was uh the original group that came in was probably 90 percent of the people had worked shipwreck or were refugees from other haunts that had heard that we were doing something um, sinister point or not, or whoever, and wanted to give it a try. Um, and the first, you know, several years, we we grew the cast size, and we, we'd find some some new people coming in. But for about three or four years, there was like zero attrition. You know, we we lost like two percent of the people every year, and then it turned into Friday nights or Mr. Holland's Opus, and the kids started graduating from high school. You know. And so then it became each year we started getting, you know, about a third attrition and about a third to, to half new people coming in. So um, over the last five or six years, it's it's been um, a larger turnover was in, in the initial five years. So we're constantly keeping in touch with people and maintaining relationships. We're constantly on the lookout for interesting new people that come our way by reference or or we go find them. Um, and then, you know, th there's also people who, who as Monty was uh, referring to, you know, that just get to a level of burnout, you know, that it's just like, th they, they, their heart wants to still be in it, but 
you know, they've moved on beyond it. And, and you have to keep your eye out on that, too, because, you know, the worst thing that you can have in a production like this is somebody who doesn't want to be there anymore, you know. And we try to handle those situations as as uh, lightly and um, humanely as we can. But there have been times where we've had to just tell people that it's not their year, you know, and um, and part ways with them and, and see if it's either the end of the road for them doing this type of thing, or if they just need to take the year off and come back in, in, in a better mindset. I'm, I'm going to be very curious, you know, once we move past this, now that it's been out of everybody's system for a year to see how everybody comes back in 2021. Sure. So I have a, I have a question. So um, for those that don't know what the, the Queen Mary, it's super creepy. Um, so I, I went there. Um, I don't know what year it was. It may have been, to be honest, it may have been when it was shipwrecked. Um, I don't. I can't place the year, but I mean, the the lights are out on the ship. You're going down weird corridors. You're seeing weird swimming pools, um, like on the ship. The lights are out. It's super creepy, and I don't. Um, and there's a huge history with the Queen Mary. So to the creative team, you know, how do you derive your characters? You know, what? what how do you? How does that process look like um, to get these great crazy characters, which you say, you know, you mentioned sets you apart from the rest. Yeah, um, I mean, I I think one of the coolest things about our characters and and going into you know the creative for this particular haunt is is the history. Um, the Queen Mary, the asset herself, is so rich in history um, and and assorted history as well, from being a wartime ship to a luxury liner from the '30s um, to where she sits stocked now in La in Long Beach, but. What's a lot unique? Of people don't know this, but we don't win World War II without Queen Mary. No, we don't. Um, it was a major uh, uh, um, troop transport ship, and if it had not been available, the tide would have may not have turned. Yeah, so. definitely. Um, Sir Winston Churchill dubbed her, you know, the reason that we won the war, and she still holds the world record for most troops transported on a single. Um, Atlantic Passage. So it's um, she's got quite a history. And with that comes a lot of stories. And in the ship archives are a great place to start with those stories. So, you know, creating these characters, it the history just jumps right off of, you know, those ledgers. And, and you're able to, I mean, some of this stuff you can't even make up. For instance, Feast, which is one of our mazes. The main character for Feast is a chef who was burned to death. And it's based on a true story in, in the early 40s. Um, the Queen Mary was a luxury ocean liner and she was re-outfitted as the Grey Ghost to be a passenger um, transport troop ship um, during World War II. And what's so crazy about it is you know, the burners of the stoves were running for nearly five years straight. They never stopped during wartime, which meant that you had three shifts of chefs, three shifts of soldiers. It ran 24 hours a day. So it was three shifts of eight hours, which meant the food probably wasn't great. They're on wartime rations um, and, and MR, uh, MREs. And uh, the soldiers, as it's told, got really fed up with the food and one very lippy um, chef, and they shoved him inside the standing oven on board the Queen Mary, and he burned to death. He literally succumbed to his wounds. They pulled him out, but he died 
two or three days later. So that story alone, which is a true story, is, you know, kind of the catalyst for one of our main characters. And so many of our characters are based on really crazy, true stories. And I think um, that's what makes this IP and, um, and Haunt so unique. It wasn't always that way. The, the, the first two years of Dark Harbor, we had this collection of <laughs> crazy, insane characters, uh, Mundara and her sisters, who were like these sea creatures that had come into uh, to the shore to take over things. And we did that for a year or two, and they were they were fun and very, very eccentric, but they didn't really have anything specifically to do to the Queen Mary. So in 2012, we created the first original set of characters, which were the Captain, Scary Mary, Graceful Gale, um, Havatch Henry, and Samuel the Savage. And that that five character um, crew sort of formed the base of our characters that were tied into the ship. And then along the way, we, we would add a new character um, every year. We we came up with the Ringmasters, become one of our most iconic characters who sort of brought the circus with her. Um, and, you know, when you think of Dark Harbor, I think now, you know, you, you think of that circus tent and the Ringmaster and some of those clown characters that, that populate the streets. And, they're really sort of the heart of of the party that's thrown, um, you know, the event um, that's thrown at the Queen Mary. Mm -hmm. So she helps to sort of balance out the the characters from the ship. And then um, who else did we create along the way? The the, the voodoo priestess came along uh, when the village was was originally called the Voodoo Village, and then the Iron Master and the chef you talked about. And um, who else is that in? I think that's it. I think that's it because we already had those base of five. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So each, yeah. each. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say it's you know one of my favorite things about Dark Harbor is that there there is so much story you can go deep and we have people who do we have we have super fans who are very much interested in knowing all the details all the story behind each of the mazes and each of the characters um, and you can really dive in and go as as deep as you want. There's a lot of history there. And then we have people who just want to come and, and enjoy a fun, you know, maze experience or uh, come and do a secret bar um, expedition and spend your whole night trying to find all the secret bars. Um, so we there, there's something for everyone, which is um, a lot of fun for us. We had a wonderful um, actress, Danielle Kaufman, who was with us the first four or five years, and she played just this disgusting little urchin street character, and she'd like cook oatmeal and have it in her mouth, so she'd be almost like vomiting oatmeal when she smiled at people. Really eccentric, really crazy. Guests loved her. And one year, um, I was walking around doing my job, and this Japanese man came up, didn't speak a lick of English and was trying to communicate with me. And he pulled out his phone and he had a picture of Danielle from the previous <laughs> year and he wanted to see her. And she, she she wasn't working that night and he was completely crestfallen. <laughs> <laughs> so so why don't we talk more about the um, the mazes that you have, right? We've covered Feast, um, day, day, which is cool, like tying back to the characters from the, the, the Queen Mary or the actual people. Um, um, how, how about uh, Bonnie, the B340? Would you be able to talk about uh, that maze? Sure. Uh, B340, it's a fun one. It's one of the mazes that's on the ship. We have mazes that are on the ship, kind of in the bowels of the ship. And then we have mazes that are that are off in front of the ship. So even as you're going through those, you've got this gorgeous backdrop of Queen Mary behind you. Um, B340 is based on a character called Samuel Savage. 
and Samuel Savage uh, has gone quite crazy. He started as a man, and now he's this kind of insane savage beast. And B340 is really his journey into insanity. And so you're kind of walking through his mind and how he got to what he, you know, who he is and, and what he is. It's really kind of kind of explores the pull and the tug of, of that in all of us. Sounds yeah, that sounds very very cool. <laughs> Going insane in a in a house, um, awesome. <laughs> um, another one we had uh, was Rogue. Um, uh, did we cover that one? I don't think we covered Rogue yet. What do you think? No, Rogue. Rogue was our newest um, maze that we introduced last year, actually for the tenth anniversary of Dark Harbor. Um, and as Charity mentioned, you know the Queen Mary was a, a troop transport ship during wartime, and. Um, there's a story, another true story, that uh, during wartime service, she was transporting, I think it was 14, just over 14,000 troops to uh, Europe and about 700 miles off the coast of Scotland. She was hit by a rogue wave that was over 95 feet tall and nearly capsized the ship. Um, witnesses say that she was within one to two degrees of completely and totally capsizing. And had we lost that the ship at that time, not only would we have lost 14,000 troops, we would have lost the Queen Mary. And as David pointed out, uh, we, we likely or possibly would not have won the war uh, without the Queen Mary. So that was a very, um, a very big historical event. And we decided to take that experience, take that event and turn it into an experience and to play with some um, some elements that we had not played with in the past, um, with, you know, moving floors and uh, projection mapping of the walls, a giant wave. And of course, we um, we had a secret bar located somewhere in the maze uh, as well. So that that was a good, a, a great uh, maze for us to introduce for our 10th anniversary. It was very popular. Because nothing would... says nearly losing World War II like a secret bar. <laughs> Well, and that particular um, history is also was the catalyst of the movie Poseidon. So yeah. that whole Poseidon adventure was based on this event as well. Which was also filmed on the Queen Mary, much of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like we need a bell to ring whenever we mention Secret Bar. It's like the... the, the we should all take shots. <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> how, how about Lullaby? Lullaby is the story of Scary Mary. It's another one of our on-ship mazes, one of our longest ones. Um, has always been a very popular maze. Um, in the early days of Dark Harbor, this maze would actually take you right into the, um, the pool room, um, which was very, very cool um, to, to pass by. We're, um, we're not allowed to do that anymore. Um, uh, we go near it, and, and at times we've been able to look into it, but we don't pass by there anymore. So we've taken the pathway and sort of told Scary Mary's story um, over the years in many different ways. And um, one of the, the the great gimmicks of Lullaby is that you see Scary Mary throughout the maze. And um, it, that requires one really special actor who can be in all places at one time. <laughs> um, that has nothing to do with multicasting and great makeup mm -hmm. and, and costume. Um, <laughs> But it's always been a, one of the, the fan favorites. 
I had a, uh, a funny thing happen in Lullaby in year one, what David mentioned back when we went through the pool room. Um, we had to have a security guard in the pool room because the, the pool is not structurally sound. So we had a security guard in there to ensure that no guests were trying to get into the pool or anyone would fall or anything. And the pool room is notoriously creepy and weird and very haunted. And we had a in there before we opened. I had a six. 350 pound security guard elbowed me out of the way so we could get out of the pool room before I could. I was ran out of there. <laughs> yeah, there's there's lots of haunted the activity in that room. <laughs> the pool room was always a highlight for me. Uh, I love you go in there; it's full of fog, and the light the lighting was just really great, and and it's just great to be. Well, in that one room. of the shames, really cool. and I. I, I I don't know if this is the official reason why we're not in there, but in around year four or five in the off season, um, somebody threw an event uh, on the ship and it had something to do with motorcycles or something. And somebody got the bright idea to ride their motorcycle in that room and like up the stairs and, and did some damage. And after that, you know, uh, I don't know if it was because of that or not, but that sort of put the kibosh on us being able to use it, which was, a drag as we've always taken great care of the ship whenever we've been in there. That certainly didn't help our cause at all. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, that's an important note, I think, to, to highlight as well. A lot of people ask, you know, how we manage operating an event on a historical asset. And we, we definitely take great care of the asset. We work very closely with the historical resources advisor uh, there at the ship, and he works very closely with the city to make sure what we are and are not allowed to do. Um, and to give you an idea, we're not in rooms where the paint is original from 1936 and in, in the back of house, we are not allowed to touch the walls, even if it's peeling peeling off, we don't touch the paint. Um, so if we need to paint something, we need to change something, we, we literally have to build a false wall in front of it um, on the ship in order to, to create that different experience. But luckily the ship herself um, is a great backdrop and, and there's not a lot that we have to do in that regard, but what we do, we walk the mazes very, um, very often as we're building and throughout the run of the event to make sure that that everything is um, as it should be. And when we leave and we take everything out at the end of the year, um, we do it again and make sure that everything is as it was. Yeah, we revere it. It's like our, it's our grandmother <laughs> yeah. you know, back there, you know, and it's, it's, it's for those of us who've spent a lot of our lives in Long Beach. I went to college there 1,852 years ago. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's just, it's just such a big part of our lives. You know, it's, it's, it's really a treasure. Yeah, it is. She's, you know, I'd say she's the star of our show. So, um, and, and anyone who works on Dark Harbor spends a little time digging into her history and it's hard not to be, you know, drawn to the ship herself. So um, most people have no problem taking great care of that asset. And the people who don't, you know, they're quickly escorted off but Bye. we have a great security team <laughs> on top. Yeah, I've been going, I've been going to, the, to the Queen Mary since I was like a baby. And I grew up in, in Southern California. And like, whenever we had relatives come over, it'd be like, okay, Disneyland. And then Queen Mary. Disneyland is Queen Mary. <laughs> 
it's the best location for like visiting family because it's just so cool and like it kind of covers all the bases it covers the history buffs it covers like people who like cool restaurants it covers and of course it covers haunts in halloween but it's like such a great location it's such a solid attraction yeah i think it's it's definitely you know one of the top visitor attractions in california for sure mm -hmm. yeah so we, we, we've danced around it a little bit um, in regards to the secret bars, the world famous secret bars. Um, but maybe Charity, would you be able to just discuss um, some other ways that you've differentiated from other experiences in the market? Um, you know, I don't want to give it away, but what, what kinds of things have you done? Um, um, you know, Steve was mentioning earlier about making, bringing the experiences to the queues and in, yeah. in in May's experiences to make it a little bit more interesting than just the regular walkthrough. Would you be able to touch yeah. on that a little bit? Sure. Um, I think it started, at, well, I mean, it started right at the beginning, but one of the poignant moments I remember was the year that we did Intrepid. Um, um, and Intrepid is the origin story of the ship. And it's, you know, she was built in Scotland in the early 1900s. Um, and and we decided on that that particular maze that we wanted to kind of go vertical and have people crawl through spaces. And we really wanted to give people a, almost like a physical workout, if you will, in 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 one of our mazes, um, because we felt like it was more experiential if they're crawling through, you know, drainage pipes and climbing up into boxcars, um, that type of thing. So um, I think. You know, there there's so many amazing haunts in especially in Southern California that instead of trying to compete directly with these huge IPs with, you know, Universal or Granddaddy old haunts um, like Knott's and and other haunts, we really tried to just diversify, which was become, you know, more immersive, more experiential. Um, and and certain ways that we've done that is Q Entertainment, as we've mentioned earlier. Um, we used to even have bars in our queue lines, but those matriculated into the mazes. And that was one of those years too, where it was all of a sudden I realized, and it wasn't just me, all of us kind of realized, people really want to spend time with these great characters that David and Bonnie's team have created. So how can we do that? And and that's when we came up with, like we said, our secret bars or even bars that weren't secret, but that were immersed in the environment of a maze. People really wanted to hang out longer than a couple of minutes that they have, you know, inside each maze. We're giving them an opportunity to spend time within each maze, having a cocktail, maybe even with a character. Um, so we did things like that. Um, circus was probably the first. We've been trying to get rid of that ever since, but it's such a fan favorite that we keep it. Um, you know, we decided a couple of years ago to do an ice bar experience, which was also really fun. Um, and having alternate paths, I think, is really cool too, because something that's unique about Dark Harbor is we have five to six mazes every year, sometimes seven. Um, so we keep our IP very you know, the same, we usually introduce a new character each year, which means possibly a new maze each year, but we're usually only introducing one new concept a year. Um, so in order to keep the life flowing in our original and IPs and other mazes, we're changing, we're constantly changing paths. We're constantly updating story or going to different in different points in the story um, to- Create new technology. Yeah, and creating new technologies um, like, Steve was saying we've, you know, dabbled a little bit um, in some technical stuff last year with Rogue. And I think that um, 
I think each maze has its own little unique twist on it. Um, but yeah, ball pits, ice bars, secret bars, um, secret pathways. At, down in Orlando, we did something called Terror Up, which we could get into a little later, where you could opt into a more extreme experience um, that we were actually planning to introduce this year at, at the Queen Mary, but didn't quite get to it. So maybe next year. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important to not stop at the mazes. I think our event is so much more than just walking through haunted houses. You know, I think there's so many opportunities as story drivers. People on their toes figuring out what's going to be next. And even even some of our employees, um, I feel like we keep on their toes. One of my favorite things <laughs> last year was uh, an employee coming to me and saying, where's the secret secret bar? <laughs> what do you mean the secret secret bar? I was told there's a secret secret bar that nobody really knows about. People just have to find it. And I just, well, I guess you'll just have to find it. Let me know when you find it. <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite things too, um, I, I'm shocked at how many people keep a ball from the ball pit. I know. Like, that ball pit in the circus and how many come out and they're like, this is a memento I want to take off. They're just balls that you'd find in a ball pit at a McDonald's. It's very odd. It's, it, but I know. something to them. It was really interesting and a fun, um, different thing to them. Yeah, I think we introduced tokens a couple of years ago too. So you yeah, these wooden coins <laughs> in David's favorite, and we don't use tokens anymore because of that year. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> what happened? What are you guys talking about? Uh, that the original use of to well, actually, we use tokens differently in Dark Harbor than we did in Dark Horizon. Yeah. In in Dark Harbor, the tokens were basically they gave you clues as to where you might be able to find um, the secret bars, and the original plan was to sort of give them out via some of our key characters. And what happened was they just these poor people just got overrun by these people thinking that there was this great tremendous meaning to the tokens and that it was going to get them something for free as opposed to just being a clue. Um, so so it overwhelmed the experience a little bit the first year. It, at Dark Horizon, um, we used them as a, sort of like w without having that secret token, there was no way to get into one of the secret bars. So it truly was like a, a ticket mm -hmm. for entry, which and the guests sort of had to earn them uh, through our terror up program, which we can talk about a little bit later, too. So before we move on, uh, maybe to talk, uh, it sounds like we're kind of naturally going into upsells, but you, uh, Charity, you touched on something about, like you have, and I'm, I'm trying to figure it out in my head. I, I, I haven't been to this event in many years, so I apologize, but next year I will be there. I'm going to hold hands with David and he's going to walk me through and I'm going to go through the gates with my, it's going to be fantastic. But until you that day. You do not want to go through the mazes with David. You're yeah, like, no, yeah. no, that's the safest way to go through. <laughs> do not do it. My not Everybody lay, lays up on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Charity, you mentioned that like you have these these you have your IP right your characters every year, and you said you kind of tell different stories every year with them. Mm -hmm. um, like so that's really cool. Like it's like you're going into a new episode of your beloved character. Um, that's really like that's you're not like wiping the slate clean. You know you're really that's actually really cool. I, I didn't know that you guys did that or that you, everyone did that. That's really fantastic. Yeah, and some sometimes it. It, it can manifest itself in different ways. Sometimes there is different story plots that are coming across. There might be different things that the design teams come up with that that rearticulate story. Last two years ago, I think, or three years ago, John Cook came in and worked with us and like really took the Samuel the Savage storyline and sort of turned it on its head a little bit. So we had to make some adjustments to conform with the storyline he was taking, which was great and was exciting. 
sometimes it comes down to the change of actors. You know, if you've got a different actor playing this character one night versus another night, it can take different forms. Um, Scary Mary has evolved over the years and become much more uh, sort of sc truly scary and demonic than she was in the early years when she was a little bit lighter touch, like at the, at the more of the origin story of hers. Um, and then sometimes you just find great dynamics between actors, you know, uh, we, we, I don't think that we had ever necessarily intended for there to be a rivalry between the captain and the iron master, but there naturally became one that tr began with the sort of the, a little bit between the two actors, but then it became as casting changed with one of the characters, that dynamic just seemed to stick around and be a lot of fun. So, um, it, it, it's nice to be able to just revisit the beach here and see what, what new yeah. forms they take, you know? Yeah. Charity and was I talking about immersion. And yeah. one of the things, one of our rules with the actors is if, if, if the guests, if they can see the guests, the guests can see them. And mm -hmm. if you can see by a guest, you have to be in Dark Harbor. And I think that's one of the things that also plays to the whole event. And, and it really plays to the other work that Bonnie and I do when we do, you know, these huge brand activations is, really honing that immersion because what you really want when you talk about immersion, you know, there, there's these sort of two key industry words that we need to talk about immersion and interactivity. Immersion is you really want the guests to feel like they are inside your world. You know, like they've literally, they're inside the world of Dark Harbor, or if we're doing Westworld, they're inside Sweetwater. If we're doing Blade Runner, they're inside LA 2049. And then interactivity is now that you're immersed in this world, you're inside it, you want to play within it. You want to be interactive with the denizens of that world. And that's, I think, the thing that, that all of our teams have worked so successfully in to make sure that whether they're dealing with a bartender, they're dealing with an usher, they're dealing with a maze monster, they're dealing with a lead character, even if they're dealing with supervisors, is that they get a sense that they're within this very special world of Dark Harbor. And you know, all of us have this strange relationship with it each night because we'll come in very early in the afternoon, you know, or late morning and, you know, be getting things ready to go, but we'll be in a production office, you know, and then we leave the production office and we see, you know, staff is starting to bring the whole thing to life. And then we're down in the pits and we're getting people in costume and makeup. And then when we come up, the lights are on and the music started and people are outside the gates clamoring to come in. And then you run the event and it's just, just, an explosion of energy just everywhere you go is just a din of activity and laughing and screaming and all this stuff. And then you get everybody off the clock and then you come upstairs and it's just like the security guards and, and the janitorial staff and it's dark and the lights are off and the fog has come back in and it's like Brigadoon has left, you know, and, and the magic is all gone. And I tell everybody each year, you know, we only have 23 nights to do this, you know, like each one of them is so special, you know, and, and we're reverent about making the best we can of each of those nights and squeezing all of the fruit that we can from it. Yeah. You missed, so all uh, David, oh, is gone, but the raccoons are there. <laughs> so when the <laughs> um, Bonnie, the raccoons are never gone. Those are trash pandas. <laughs> when the actors leave and the lights go off, the raccoons come out to raid the trash cans. And there have been many a night where we've just kind of backed up from some raccoons or like, it's all yours, buddy. I'm not even going to fight this right now. <laughs> yep. So all these wild imaginative story ideas 
they come with a price. Uh, <laughs> and so over the years, you know, I'm sure you've come up with even more imaginative ways of whether it's upgrading an experience because the fans demand it, right? They want to have a next level experience. Some people want to go in for the regular price. Some are clamoring and saying, please take my money. And they're shaking it in your fist, uh, in your face. They want you to take their money. So maybe Steve, what do you, what do you got? What have you done with that over the years? Yeah, I think, you know, something that we noticed um, years ago when we started introducing things like the the um, Q-Line Entertainment and additional bars and things like that, where people want different levels of experiences. Some want to come and just go through the mazes uh, and just go through a couple and have a good time and leave. Some want to go through every single maze. Uh, some want to get really involved in the story. Some want to have that, that extra VIP experience. So we started layering in... Um, additional experiences that people can can opt into if they would like. Um, we introduced the the RIP lounge, which is a little it's a, a VIP experience, kind of elevated above the um, above the the events. You get kind of a a one hundred eighty degree view of the, the entire event. That's a great place to go take a load off, get a couple bites to eat, and a couple of cocktails, and watch other people be scared. Um, we have the um, Fast Ride and Evil Express tickets that we've introduced that give people an expedited line experience. They want to get through the lines faster, uh, which is really key on on some of the busy weekend nights, if, especially if you want to get through all the mazes. And more... Recently, we introduced get to go through all of the mazes with a guide and get walked to the front of the front of the line. So they're all, um, you know, they don't wait in any lines. They get some backstory. They get, get some one-on-one -on -one time uh, with some of our characters and with their their maze guide. So that is kind of the, the ultimate um, VIP experience that we have currently available at Dark Harbor. One of the scariest things at Dark Harbor uh, every year, no matter what happens, is the parking. <laughs> um, and we try our best so we'll do it once again right here for next year people you gotta park off site and you gotta take a shuttle in so you gotta plan accordingly don't try to come to the ship park off site take the shuttle in and come early in the evening don't come an hour before we close and think you're gonna get to do the whole experience you know you got and come earlier in the month and it won't be as crowded and, you know, unfortunately, sometimes people, you know, they wait until very late in October and then they'll come on the Saturday before uh, Halloween and they'll come at 930 at night because they're going to roll in fashionably late and they're going to try to park at the ship and they're not going to have a good experience, you know, because it's just that's the, that's the nature of, of a crowded popular event is, you know, you, you have to plan accordingly. Are Ubers and Lyft encouraged and easy to get in and out of with that? Mm -hmm. yes, that's my primary yeah. So an event like that with bars, that's where I'd be. I would be using the uh, Ubers and Lyfts. I agree. I mean, yep. I think people avoid Uber and Lyft at the end yeah. of the night because of the surge rates. You know, we become a high mm -hmm. surge. Um, but either way, the best thing you can do, obviously, because we have like thirteen bars, the best thing you could do is definitely not drive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can experience the whole event. <laughs> um. Well, the best, but, the best thing you could do is get a, get a room and stay in the hotel because it's exactly. right there. You can just stumble out. Yeah, that's we creep out all night long. <laughs> <laughs> so this event is incredibly successful. Uh, and uh, last year, uh, it grew. It grew. It had a baby. 
in, in Orlando, my neck of the woods. I attended Dark Horizon. Um, why don't, would you be able to share a little bit about that, how that all happened? Yeah. Dark, I mean, go ahead, Steve. Dark Horizon was um, really came about because the, the owners of the property there in Orlando also owned um, the leasehold ownership of the Queen Mary. And after seeing, you know, the successful model that has been built with Dark Harbor, they wanted to draw a new audience and a new revenue stream to their property in Orlando. And they said, hey, what, what can we do here? So we kind of put our heads together and all came together and started um, brainstorming and got the creative process going and created what ultimately became Dark Horizon. Yeah, and because what we're so known for is, um, uh, you know, is the history that we draw from, we took a while kind of researching the history of Florida and Orlando so that, you know, our IP could be something that local Floridians as well as, you know, visitors could get behind. Um, we just kind of wanted to stick to the idea of using, you know, history as our story. So we took um, one of our characters, Voodoo Priestess, and, and dragged her all the way to Orlando. She became our bridge. Yeah, she was our bridge character. Somebody's dingling. Me, hold on. <laughs> yes, yes. So <laughs> exciting. Uh, <laughs> it was, um, it, please, go ahead. it was years in the making to, to get this thing pulled together. So it wasn't something that like happened to us at the last second. We'd sort of strategized and plotted for how would we accomplish something like this? And what we did was we basically took our leads and um, and our, our key personnel and we sort of created two different teams. There was a Dark Harbor team and a Dark Horizon team. And back at Dark Harbor, we then backfilled some positions with, with locals and found some new people, gave some people the opportunity to step up into new roles. And then in Orlando, we, we took our, our leads there and we built from the locals there to, to round out the rest of the team and, and from the locals there to, brought a handful of characters with us uh, out there to, to help um, ground it with, with some people that we knew we could really rely upon. But as we always do, like when Bonnie and I do these activations, we're often in different cities and we have to cast new people. And it, Orlando was no exception. There was all kinds of just wonderfully great people who've become great friends, great new members of the family who, who joined the team. And it was really interesting noting what a gig economy Orlando is. You know, um, it, everybody we talked to was like that character on, um, on, um, on, on, on the old comedy show who like wore 10 different hats, you know, cause everybody was like, Oh, I'm a stilt walker here. I'm an aerialist over there. I'm, I'm, you know, Beetlejuice at this thing. I'm, I'm the, the cat, the Darth Vader over here. You know, it's like everybody had 14 different things they were doing, you know, and then we just negotiate with them to get to cobble together the cast that, that, and the, and the crew that we needed for our event every night. Yeah. It was, um, you know, I think Orlando just presented, Quite, so many hurdles and challenges for us because we were working on a very tightened timeline. We had, as David said, we had been in kind of pre-production and creative for a couple of years with Dark Horizon, um, but we didn't get the green light on it until about six months before we were supposed to open. And usually we take, you know, nine, nine months, months to, yeah. prep, to prep Dark Harbor and probably it would have been longer to, to launch a show in a city we've never, you know, 
launched a show in before, um, building it from scratch. You know, it's not like we had sets that we were drawing from or even relationships that we have here in Los Angeles from, you know, certain places that we can just pull from. We didn't have that infrastructure in Orlando. So we had to literally like organically fly there and find them, find our people. <laughs> um, and then navigate our way through, you know, the city of Orange, um, which are the county or Orange County, which was very, you know, interesting as well, because it's so different than working in Long Beach. Every city is different. But that one's definitely, a, you know, an, a challenging city um, for permitting and things like that. So it was quite a learning experience. There were times at like four or five in the morning where I'd call Steve and be like, you need to get on a plane right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I yeah. know. That was, it was definitely, know. sorry, go ahead, Patrick. Well, no, you went, Steve. Oh, um, I was going to say it was, it was definitely one of the biggest and most challenging things was operating two events happening simultaneously on two different coasts. So we all kind of, you know, we kind of split and, and had teams in both places. And um, that was, that was challenging. And ultimately it works well. And, and thankfully, because we do have such a strong team in Los Angeles, uh, we were able across the board to send some of our strongest players to Orlando and really be able to hit the ground running. And if, if not for that, um, mounting a show in such a short amount of time would have been near impossible, if not impossible. With a hurricane. With a hurricane. And rain nearly every day, you know, which is something yeah. we don't really deal with in, in Los Angeles. You know, we, yeah. we're, uh, LA, uh, Dark Harbor, I could probably count on one hand the number of times that we've been rained out or close to rained out. You know, we really only closed the event once in 10 years, one evening when it like literally you could not stay open. Um, but otherwise, you know, you get drizzly or you get like an hour of rain or something like that. And then it clears up. Florida was like, it rained almost every day. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I actually went to dark um, horizon last year. So I'm very, very How aware. Did What's that? How did you feel? <laughs> Um, no, I, well, it's so funny. Cause like, I, I don't, I, I, I know Cliff Warner and everything. And so when I got wind that you guys were doing this uh, event, I was like, Hey, here's like 10 people that you could probably could hire to help with this event. I'm not sure if you remember that, David. I think I got connected with you guys like 18 months about it's a small yeah. industry. Um, that's why they're on the show. I called them that favor. No, no, no. Um, so I was like, it's, it's, it's at the, the family suites and resort or holiday Inn suites and resorts. It's just, there's a water park has a little bit of infrastructure and you wrapped it around a hotel. So the site is very different. You didn't have on, on we Ubered and lifted. So I don't, I don't know what other people did, but um, I mean, you, you kind of had to park off site, got carted in, but you would, you'd have like a VIP bus that took you from the front gate to this. So yeah. there were a lot of operational logistics just in, in general that you had to deal with. Um, yeah. And then I went to the event and yeah, like you're saying, um, you know, a lot of the other haunt experiences in Orlando, I guess it's basically just universal. They are, they're indoors because they, they have tents around their stuff. And yours was all primarily outside. That's a, that's a challenge you have to work with. Um, but I, I, what did I think is that when I saw the sliders slide, and I hadn't seen that since, you know, my California days, it brought my warmth to my heart. And I, and I was like, oh, this is, this is great. It's bad. A little more, it's a little more wholesome, a little more down to earth. Well, that was all, that was another whole thing we did. We made the decision that we wanted to have sliders, so we brought our slider supervisor and our slider captain out to Orlando, and we put the word out to people who were auditioning that we were doing this thing. And did, was anybody interested? And we grew a slider team from scratch. Um, you know, I think two or three people had slid before in their lives, and the rest of them were doing it for the first time. 
They were great. So, so, so for those that don't know what sliding is, um, maybe from Orlando, what, what, would you be able to explain what that is? Think of these wonderful people who are running at you at full sprint and then drop their knees and sparks <laughs> out of their knees and then they pop up and scare the sh out of you. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, no, that's fun. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, it's. I do. It's great to see that. Um, yeah, I partake. I partaked in the up the the upgrade. I had the medallion. I don't know how I got that, but I had the medallion. Tear up. Would you guys? Would you be able to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well, first, Steve and Charity created this thing called Tear Up and told everybody we were doing it, and then they <laughs> called me and said, "So we have to create this thing called Tear Up." <laughs> I said, "Great. We going to renegotiate my contract? No. Okay, we'll do it anyway. That's fine." <laughs> <laughs> and um, our, our team worked together with them. Um, a couple of people who, who aren't on the phone call who had a great deal to do with it were uh, David Rusica and Alice Fraioli from our team. And we just brainstormed of like, what could this, um, what could this experience be? You know, and um, we, we wanted to call it deep dive because that's really how we sort of perceived what it was, but it had already been branded terror up. But what it was, was basically allowed you to take a deeper dive underneath the surface of what the event was. And if you went through the different experiences with this glowing red necklace on, um, the actors were trained to deal with you in a certain way to give you a more robust experience. And in some instances, it might be something that was a little bit more assertive or, or rambunctious. And in sometimes it was, you know, whispering secrets to you or uh, trying to get you to communicate with other characters and or go through different pathways in the mazes. And we came up with different trinkets and different scrolls and stuff like that that could be exchanged. And um, it really allowed you to sort of become part of what the action was. Um, in, in a way, if you think back to when you're a little kid and you're doing a scavenger hunt at the museum, there was a little bit of that to it, you know, uh, for those of you who, who, who like to, you know, wonder what's behind the scenes at, you know, famous places, like I want to go through that door and do that thing. You were able to do that. And um, one of the really lovely um, um, rewards to that is one of our re reviewers um, who, who we know, who's come to review Dark Harbor for years, was out in Florida. And he came and he, he, he watched the event and wrote his review and wrote a glowing review for it. But what happened when I saw him midway through the night is I said, do you know about our Tear Up program? And he said, no. And so I got him one of the, the the necklaces and then he did the tear up thing. And a week after he wrote the wonderful review for Dark Horizon, he wrote a review that just talked about tear up. And it was the most glowing review I've, I've, I've ever seen about anything. You know, he like completely got what it was. And he, he, he talked about how it was the most um, fantastic overlay he'd ever seen in any haunt anywhere. So um, th that was very, very meaningful to everybody on our team. It's yeah. really wonderful when I, you yeah. have first year of something like that because it gives you the opportunity to, to really find it and discover it. Um, you know, like we mentioned with the tokens and in just in general, I think we have way more of an escape room mentality with guests. Now guests are smarter. Guests are expecting, uh, different things. You know, you usually don't have guests that go through with their hands in their pockets. They're turning doorknobs and trying to figure out, am I supposed to go here? Am I supposed to go here? And so having a, a 
full year to just kind of figure Tara about was just so lovely and wonderful. And I think is part of the reason it was so successful is that we, it, we had a little bit of time to find it. We had a little bit of time, but did you say a full year? No, there was not a full year. There no. was not a full yeah. year. It was like three months. I always decide I want to do something crazy like this right before we open. We I mean an event cycle beginning. Okay. So let, me, let me explain. Let me clarify. We were definitely in late night meetings about two weeks before we opened trying to figure out how the hell to pull this off. I, I yeah. should not take that away. <laughs> One of the things that's also interesting about Haunts, uh, which we alluded to earlier, is it's different than doing a play where you're going to have 99% of your cast is there every night. Every once in a while, you have an understudy go in. With Haunts, especially Dark Harbor, and it played the same for Dark Horizon, uh, we might have a third of our cast out every single night, and it's a different third every single night. So our backups and our all-stars really have to know the event and really have to know what it's going to take to fill into these different positions. And then when you throw in something like terror up that like, really there's a lot of detail to it, you know, it, it becomes quite the challenge to, to direct it and supervise it and manage it. Haunt actors are the, are all stars. Haunt actors, man, they are, that is the hardest job imaginable and then of course at queen mary we're like take the hardest job imaginable and now do it on the ship in a hundred degree heat in the bowels of a ship in the the craziness i you know that those guys are just unbelievable and and to find a good one and one that will come back every year they're truly treasures and, and we just love them so much yeah yeah they're great and then our poor operations team you know we sit, all of us sit in the dark and create all of these things. And then we go to our operation team like, oh, by the way, here you go. <laughs> like, make all of this happen, you know? So we've got a whole ops team that we have to dump all of this on in a very short period of time. You know, as as a creative team, like, you know, we're we're together for quite some time. But our op our operations team doesn't come on board until a couple weeks before the show. So we literally have to download what we've been doing for like six months um, into their brain in just a couple of days. So they also play a huge role in making, you know, all of our experiences come to life because the operations team are the ones who great. they run, you know, they operate each maze. They, um, you know, operate the bars, the box office, guest service, like, lit, you know, literally everything. And like David was saying earlier, we want everyone on stage to be a part of the show. So, you know, at some point I remember sitting in, in conspiring with David, like, all right, I want the, I want the bartenders in costume and makeup too. And we were like, who's going to tell Katie? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, you know, it's like, they, they have, they are just as important as our monsters because our monsters can do all of this crazy work. And if our ops team doesn't support that world, then all, all of the work can be for not, it's that much harder for them to get, you know, the guests into the experience unless all of us have bought in hook, line and sinker. So it has to be like a seamless enterprise, including parking and security, you know, it's, and it's, you know, it can be quite a daunting task to get the ops team on board because it's not like they grew up, you know, performing like 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 a yeah. lot of the rest of us are in this world and so sometimes we're like you're not really looking for them to 
perform because then if they don't do a good job, then things fall off. But to just have personality, do you know what I mean? Right. And 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 not their, be a dirty guest. Yeah, their version of perform. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard though. They, no, I they, have, they answer for all of the other so, teams. Sorry. Sorry. That's I was, right. I mean, they're, they're the ones, they're the guest facing body representing Dark Harbor. When anything goes wrong with parking, anything goes wrong um, in one of the bars, at one of the food stations, in one of the mazes, they are the ones answering for what someone else has done. So not only do they have to have a good personality, they have to be patient and they have to be um, ready to, to go be above and beyond to, to help that guest and know, be knowledgeable about every aspect of the event because they have to answer for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have, a, we have a special team we do. Jar. <laughs> well, I haven't been in like four or five so, years. Uh, oh. huh? You haven't been in four or five years? No, I haven't. And I, I know. Uh, and I was super pumped to go this year because I know you know, some of you guys, and I know, uh, you know, it's, it, you know, really evolved quite a bit since the last time I went. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I was just as upset as everybody when everything was canceled this year. And, you know, you guys want to talk us through that decision and process of, of uh, unfortunately, having to go along with everybody else and cancel everything on, uh, on both coasts. Yeah, I mean, Halloween. Yeah, I think it was crazy because I think we were one of the first of the larger haunts to cancel. And it was a really heavy hearted decision. We waited as long as possible. I mean, every couple weeks we would gather together and say, all right, if they gave us a go from this date, from this date, from this date, what could we do if it was, you know, and each date got later and later and later. And, um, and the realities of it became less and less likely, but we we researched everything we needed to do, you know, from a health concern standpoint, safety standpoint, um, you know, as far as capacities and what type of equipment we need. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, it was, you know, it's ultimately wasn't our decision anyway, um, you know, between the governor and the mayor um, to make a different decision um, to keep everything closed. But at the end of the day, we also felt collectively like it was very important to protect our team and keep everyone safe and, and our guests as possible and our guests as safe and healthy as possible yeah. and while we delivered quite a blow i think you know to the community because it was one of the first ones i i just i felt okay in the sense that i felt like we felt like it was the responsible and right thing to do you know regardless of you know what our state and city officials were also telling us but um but it, it's sad i mean I, we talk to people all the time and wish that we were at stand up right now about to open the doors in an hour and it's just um at the end of the day safety first it, it it's tough with um with live events and with short-term events because you know uh, at myco too we in addition to doing all of our live event stuff we also do longer lead um design work and theme parks and museums and stuff and you know if you're looking two or three years down the road you know there's lots of design that has to happen there's lots of strategy there's lots of refinement and stuff like that happen you can continue your work but when you're doing an activation you're doing an event you know you're you're, you're dealing with something that's going to come up in just a couple of months that's only going to run for a short period of time and when you only run for a short period of time like every night that you 
operate is critical to, to, to have the best night you can in order to help make your money back and hopefully turn a profit. And the, the problem with COVID is even now, we still don't have a sense of like what it's going to be like a month from now, two months, three months from now. You know, I'd like to hope that after the election, no matter who wins, that hopefully people will, you know, treat the seriousness of what we're living through, you know, a little bit more seriously. And, and you know, I just worked, the, the Bonnie and I, the last couple of weekends, worked two different live events that were very, very um, serious about the COVID-19 um, protocols. And we were able to do it. You know, we were able to work. We were able to have people go through and the, the employees were masked and separated. The guests were masked and separated. Patrick's doing it right at the moment, you know. Um, but when you when, when when you know you're dealing with concrete, you can plan. The problem with COVID is like we're dealing with quicksand until we know what it is. So we don't know if we can do like, you know, are we going to be able to do holiday things? Nobody knows. Are we going to be able to do CES in January? Nobody knows. Can we do South by Southwest in March? You know, Comic-Con in, in, in the summer, Halloween again next fall until we get to either um, a vaccine that's mass produced and mass, mass utilized, or we get enough people to understand and take seriously that if we want to be around other people, we have to take this thing seriously. We're not going to be able to get back to work with the live stuff. And, yeah. and that's just, that's not a dark Harbor thing. That's the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, you know, yeah. uh, live events and, and concerts and things like that are changed uh, for a long time, you know, regardless of what happens after the election and next year and with the vaccine. And I think that, you know, uh, so many people are going to rethink the way these things are, are created and consumed. It'll be very interesting to see even once there's a vaccine, how long people have the PTSD of feeling safe going out without a mask. You know what I mean? So yeah. people who won't embrace it, some people are like, I, I, I don't trust not wearing it, you know? So it's it's gonna take a while to get everything settled again. Well, and also yeah. just the financial investment in events, you know, we mentioned before, we typically work, I mean, we say nine to 10 months in advance, but we're really working on Dark Harbor year round. Yep. And so that means that somebody has to make the call right about now that Dark Harbor is happening next year, which at this point they have, you know, we're, we're planning for it to, to be happening next year. Um, so we're already, working on that working toward that but you know certainly there will be points at which that has to be looked at as we're we're going along the journey of of covid and making sure that we're still on track to be able to do that sure because like we can work for months while we're just talking and we're planning you know and it's a few people's salaries and it's stuff like that but then you know the time comes where you have to start like spending real money you know when you have to start ordering things and building things and expanding your crews and at that point, once you start spending money like that, you really have to have surety that you're going to have your event because otherwise you're not going to get your money back out of it. Yeah. So yeah, I will just oh, – to go ahead. I hope it happens because I'll tell you what, I've been Googling all the secret bars this whole time. And, <laughs> and I'm primed <laughs> and ready. Another convert, Charity. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, All right. I hope my connection was a little invalid. Let's all close our eyes. It's five years from now. No matter what, we have a new president. No matter what, doesn't matter who wins on Tuesday. Right. Uh, next Tuesday, and it, it, we're getting into potentially the fifteenth, you know, year of Dark Harbor. You know, where do you think that event is? I mean, I, I know we want to avoid future statements, but where, where in your imaginations, where do you want it to go? 
Um, just to, to end on a positive note for our show, we can we can land the plane. Um, but where do you where, where would you love it to be? Uh, Charity, you go first. Um, you know, for me with Dark Harbor, I I love seeing it evolve every year. So to me, I'd love to be able to expand slightly, have a couple of more mazes by then, but not too many because I still like the intimacy of, of what Queen Mary herself is. Um, I'd love to see us um, dive further into, you know, experiences like Terror Up, um, these alternate paths and passage, pass, passageways. Um, I'd love to um, expand our experience into an overnight experience on board the ship a little bit. Ooh. I think that would be really exciting. Yeah. Um, we've been toying with it for nearly a decade and haven't quite gotten that to happen, but um, I'd like to work toward that. And um, and just continuing to push the envelope on technology and talent and um it's so, I don't like using the word immersive because it just seems so, I don't know, blah. But, but, I, but I do want to see us immersed more and more and deeper and deeper into story because I think that's where this, you know, the younger generations are. They like to live, eat and breathe their experiences. And I think the, the more we dive into that, um, the more successful we'll continue to be. So yeah, I just want to see us evolve and get, tighter at our operation and stay a close knit family and have a kick-ass time doing it. Bonnie, I know you have to go soon. So you're next. I mean, the beauty of Dark Harper, Dark Harper's little haunt that could like, just, it doesn't matter what you throw at us. It's, it's going to be wonderful. It's got such a um, following. It's got such great people around it. Um, you know, we've never been, We've never succumbed to a low budget. We've never succumbed to any of these kind of um, industry hurdles that sometimes you can you can find. And uh, so I think in five years, we're still going to be kicking ass. And my hope is that the people who've been with us for the last 10 years are still there in five. Fantastic. Steve, go ahead. Um, what Charity and Bonnie said. Uh, but I also, I think that the Queen Mary herself has, there are so many layers that we haven't even had a chance to, to scratch the surface on yet. Um, so I would, I would like us, I would like to see us continue to unveil new pieces of history, new, new information, new stories for our guests, um, keep them on their toes and really push the envelope when it comes to introducing new, new technologies and new experiences. I think we've been pretty good at being at the forefront of introducing new things that haven't really been done a lot um, in the world of haunts. And I, I would love to continue doing that. And I think, um, you know, I'm on the fence about whether or not that means more mazes or not more mazes. We tried a seventh maze a few years ago and, and determined that it just, it didn't land more the way that we better. wanted it to. It, yeah, more didn't necessarily mean better. So um, if we can do them and keep the experience at the same level, do more mazes and keep the experience at the same level for our guests, then I'm all for it. And um, until we, we figure that out, then I'm happy with six. Yeah, the ship is so vast. I feel like, you know, you know you've know, you only maybe used 10% of it in the last 10 years. Yeah, we're, you know, we're, um, we're constantly finding new areas and new 
um, you know, small pathways. There's not a lot of space that we can do full new mazes in the ship, but there are definitely areas that we can we can expand existing mazes or, or get new corridors and, um, and touch new areas. David, bring us home. Well, as the old man on the team, I'll be zeroing in on the 39th anniversary of my 39th birthday around then. Oh my uh, so I'm hoping that I'll still be here and won't be one of the characters based on David Wally and, and his best story. Um, the, the question, I only have one question for Steve and Charity every year when they ask me, hopefully invite me to come back to work. And that question is always, are we going to try to be better than we were last year? And every time I've asked that question, their commitment has been, yes, we are. So as long as our commitment is to keep getting better every year and as Monty said, you know, let this little engine that could do the most it can with the money that we have um, and keep that creativity flowing and keeping our family um, well taken care of and encouraging them to do their best work. I'll be there. And as long as we're there, I know that we'll put on a caliber show every year. Amen. Fantastic. <laughs> Yay. Well, thank you all so much for, for coming on our well, show. Thank thanks you. for having us. It's been great. Plus, was, it's a great excuse to hang out with our friends that we don't get to yeah. see right now. <laughs> I know. I know. We're and not I, sick of each other this year, right? <laughs> I learned so much about both events, and I, I'm, I'm so sad that they're not running. I mean, I was planning on a trip to Florida this year to, and see Dark Horizon as well. So everything's just going to be moved to next year, and I can't wait to see these events. We're excited. We'll be excited to have you. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Patrick, are you, are you able to speak? We're going to be, uh, maybe, can you hear me all? I, my, I, the Canadian internet, I, they have better health care, but the internet, so great. Um, so the, the uh, please stay to us, for our guests, please stay on in the green room. We're going to wrap up the show. We want to chat with you afterwards. Thank you so much. Um, uh, you know, it's like a dream panel. Just, I love celebrating the work that we're able to do. And while COVID-19 has been terrible, like I feel like I've made so many new friends and friendships and camaraderies with all sorts of people across the globe and people love to hear the stories. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day um, and our pre-planning meeting and our other meetings that we've all had. I really appreciate you did that. So um, thank you for joining us. Big thank you to uh, Bonnie. David, go ahead. Please oh, did you have a, vote. you want to say something? Please vote. Oh, please vote. Yes. 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 Vote. Uh, no matter who you're voting for, please vote. And wear uh, a mask. Can we spell out vote? V -V -E. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Charity, Steve, Bonnie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, everybody, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Take care for now. Thank Bye -bye. you.